0: Listening to Mouse Madness, a podcast dedicated to bracketing all things Disney. I'm Chris Bowersox.
1: And I'm Kyle Skinner.
0: And we are your hosts for Mouse Madness. Each episode will focus on a single Disney topic, generate a bracket, and debate our way through the madness to figure out who or what is truly the best. Follow us and play along on Twitter at Mouse Madness Pod or send us an email at mousemadnesspodcast Podcast at gmail.com. Kyle, we're back. It's a week later. Um, I mean, I didn't really need a week to like think about these Disney attractions because I spend pretty much every waking moment of my (laughs) life already uh, internally debating in my head what the best Disneyland attraction is.
1: Seriously, this was, you know, we talked about it last episode where we've been waiting to do this. This is this is what we love. This is what we love to talk about. And we do spend a lot of our time thinking about these attractions and what makes them great and what is the greatest. And today is finally the day in which we will find out what is the best Disneyland attraction. And here to help us get to that point is returning guest host Tess. Tess, welcome back to the podcast.
2: I'm so scared.
1: <laughs> I mean, I am too. I sitting all week on this, I've been like, oh no, what are we gonna do?
2: Like my one saving grace is that usually I lean more towards Kyle than Chris. So if you guys are like against each other, like I'll, I'll be able to like push through it. But if you guys are agreeing with nonsense throughout this whole thing, then I'm I'm done.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, no one heard it because it happened before the recording, but Chris logs on and immediately says, I've got some takes for today. So I have a feeling that, that we're going to hear some craziness and I'm excited for it. That's what we're all about.
0: I'm ready to ruin everyone's dreams, including my own, honestly.
1: <laughs> I mean, um,
0: lot, lots of great feedback from this most recent episode. Uh, a lot of people with um, some great like Disneyland memories of their own. And uh, Mandy was getting in on the fun Disneyland hat game <laughs> uh, a lot of pe- a lot of people asking about uh yeti bill yeti he's bill. he's still around folks I'll have to dig him out next time I'm at my parents house but uh I can't wait to to finish things up
1: yeah yeah and that that also reminds me if you have feedback and you want to talk about the most recent episodes with us join our discord that's the place to be that's where we we take in all of this feedback and we use it for future brackets, as well as just start talking about our own experiences at the park. So it was fun to see everybody chat about it. And also go ahead and leave us a review on iTunes. That really helps out the podcast to get found uh, across the interwebs. We're really a Apple-based podcast. We do got some Spotify listeners. Shout out Spotify listeners. But uh, the iTunes reviews really help the show. So if you have a moment, go ahead and give some stars over there. Maybe leave some feedback and we would greatly appreciate it. And while we're sitting here giving each other feedback on our takes, we are, of course, going to have to, to drink that down with a little something, our spoonful of sugar. Chris, what are you drinking this week?
0: Uh, I'm still um, in the process of like unpacking boxes, sure. uh, you know, restocking um, my mini bar. Uh, my new apartment does have a bar area. It's not a wet bar, but it's like a little dry bar space in the living room, which is pretty awesome. Love it. Um, But we're starting things off with the original Mouse Madness uh, spoonful (laughs) of sugar from me, the Mad Tea Party, which is just green tea and gin. (laughs) Oh my gosh, he's back (laughs) on it. Um, Hey, you know what? It it works. It doesn't feel as like, you know, CVS um, questionable (laughs) in terms of quality. It's a... It's a good time I would recommend. And I I need to also point out that as we're opening up boxes from the move. Uh, today I was happily reunited with my light magic t-shirt. yes, We're we're talking Disneyland park. So we had to rock light magic today. Of course. (laughs) Of course. What are you drinking, Kyle? Usually on
1: episodes, uh, the second episodes of each bracket, I I go to beer, and that's what I did this time around as well. I really thought all day long about should I dive back into a cocktail, should I should I make something up, and I just I'm exhausted this week, so I I reached into the the fridge and I pulled out just a normal Lagunitas IPA, just true classic IPA fashion, threw it into my spoonful of sugar mug and. Honestly, it's probably best that I drink beer on the second half of this so that I can really think clearly when you start throwing some nonsense at me. So I, I'm taking it a little bit lighter than usual. Tess, what have you got?
2: Um, I have some leftover cocktails to go. Um, the Sangria thing um, from Outback Steakhouse. <laughs> it's like the only restaurant around here still like, doing cocktails through DoorDash, So that's where I got my cocktail. And it's with a bamboo annual pass holder straw oh. that I got um, back when this was probably the last piece of AP merch that they were given out at the Terrace Bar area of wine country in DCA. That name changes by the season. So that's what I'm drinking this time.
1: I like that. And
2: now that I, I know the listeners were on the edge of their seat, I am now a magic key holder. So now I can get magic key holder stuff. My boy, John, in the ticket booth helped me in person. Ugh, it was the best. Don't don't trust the app, y'all. If it's not working out and online isn't working, just talk to someone in person. Please let them keep their jobs by giving them a reason to be there by going in person to the ticket booth because um, they're great over there.
1: <laughs> we're we're very happy. We're very happy to hear that for you because uh the world would not be okay if Tess wasn't an annual pass holder. We, we would just we wouldn't know what to do. The podcast would combust. Everyone's phones would blow up and the world wouldn't be okay.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right, folks. Well, um, it is that dreaded time again. (laughs) It is time for the pull of the pod. If you have not been listening to the Mouse Madness podcast for the last three or four months, uh, we used our hard-earned sticker money um, to purchase a pack of tops tr- upper deck? Tops? Upper deck. Upper deck trading cards created for the 50th anniversary of Disneyland Park. It is a giant uh like retail box with 30 or so packs, and we are opening each one of these packs. Um, and we're hoping to find the Tom Morrow card that we know exists somewhere in there. Yep. It's been a minute, we've been doing this, haven't found it yet. <laughs> Is today the day? Kyle, get to, get to cracking here. Does it feel like a lucky pack?
1: Uh, you know, I, when I grabbed it out of the box, I said, oh, this one feels, feels pretty good. And then I saw the top card and I was like, oh, we might have to go another week. So we'll see. Oh. We'll see what, this, <laughs> what happens here. Top card. It is a great moments card and it is Mickey and Minnie 50th celebration card. We have Mickey and Minnie with their, what I would assume was their 50th anniversary uh, get-ups. Gold dress for Minnie, gold bow tie for Mickey. Um, Yeah, so a celebration card. Cool.
0: Interesting, because just today, Mickey and Minnie debuted their... Walt Disney World 50th anniversary costumes.
1: Wow.
0: We've come such a long way. (laughs) We really have. Since opening day, Mickey and Minnie costumes. I wish we could go back sometimes.
1: Next card is a debut attraction, 1967's People Mover. RIP here on the West Coast. One of Chris's transportation attractions. A journey through some of Tomorrowland's inside and outdoor attractions. This ride had a secret. The motors are not in the vehicle, but rather are on the track. Every nine feet, electric motor would propel the ride forward. So it's a black and white photo of the people mover passing by the Matterhorn on the front and then through journey into inner space, journey through inner space on the back. So So that's a fun one.
0: So good. I got that um, Bob Gurr autographed people mover poster.
1: You do. That is right. Shout out Bobby Gurr, the best Bob. All right. Next card is another debut attraction. I feel like we we've had to have pulled this at some point. I feel like I've already talked about it, but it's 1955's Mad Tea Party.
0: I don't think we I, I don't think we've pulled that one yet. We I just it we, just we've talked about it on opening day attraction, Fantasyland attraction, attraction type.
1: Yeah, we've talked about it, it a lot.
2: An attraction soundtrack a <laughs> lot.
1: It's a lot of Mad Tea Party on the front is the original location of the Mad Tea Party right behind the carousel and on the back is a black and white photo of some of two boys going really fast because they're nice (laughs) and blurry on there uh that's a that's a fun one and then the final card i can tell you right now is not mr tom morrow so we'll be back again next week it is another debut attraction 1961's flying saucers so tomorrowland they used to have these flying saucers uh, beginning in 1961 didn't last very long where you were on this massive air table like think about a huge air hockey table and you sat on these rubber donuts that you could control by leaning left and right but they didn't really account for the different weights of everybody so some people didn't move at all some people were able to move and some things just didn't work Uh, didn't last very long they said let's try it again and in 2012, Carsland opened up, and they implemented Luigi's Flying Saucers of sorts. I don't even remember what it was called. Flying Luigi's Tires? Luigi's Flying Tires, yeah. Luigi's Flying Tires. And they tried to do it again, and it still <laughs> didn't work.
0: <laughs> amazing. Amazing.
1: Uh, so that's a good one. And then our final card is the attraction poster of the pack. And this one is Frontierland's Tom Sawyer Island. Oh, So it is a photo of um, what appears to be a red-headed black Tom Sawyer looking out over Tom Sawyer's island with the fort. (laughs) He's wearing a straw hat. Uh, And there's some other kids on a raft that are canoeing towards the island. And yeah, that that is this pack for this podcast episode. We'll be back next week to see... If we can find the elusive Tom Morrow. Uh, Chris, let's leave the cards behind. Let's get back into this bracket. Let's remind everybody what the demographic was.
0: Um, It's Magic Keyholders. That's it. Great. They, Thank um, you so much. They're people, they're, they're people who attend the park a lot. And, you know, you wanted some really qualified opinions. I'm sorry, Tess, you missed the cutoff for uh, the survey for this yeah that
2: would have been a conflict of interest don't worry listeners i was not part of the bracket choices at all do not worry
1: <laughs> yeah so these these magic key holders chose 16 attractions and we've narrowed that down to eight and those eight look a little bit like this the first elite eight matchup is the number one space mountain versus the number eight big thunder mountain railroad down the bracket is the number four, Pirates of the Caribbean versus Mr. Toad's Wild Ride at the number 12 spot. Across the bracket is number two, Indiana Jones Adventure versus the number seven, Haunted Mansion. And to round out the Elite Eight, it is the number three, Rise of the Resistance versus number 11, It's a Small World. Let's do this. Let's hop into it. Uh, Chris, I believe you started out last time, so I'm going to go ahead and take this first point. It is the number one, Space Mountain versus. The number eight, Big Mountain, Big Thunder Mountain Railroad.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Big Mountain <laughs> Thunder. There's too,
1: too many words in that one. There's too, we need two, two words in a name here, please. Uh, talked quite a bit about Big Thunder last time, but we moved Space Mountain on pretty nicely in that first round, and I had hinted at some little historical facts that I was going to bring up or, this time around. And so this attraction... Opened up in 1977 in Disneyland is the second Space Mountain in the Disney universe. The first one opening up at Walt Disney World in 1975, and it runs on that very very impressive computer system that Chris had brought up, uh, where it, these computers can control the brake speed. What would you call them? Block block braking?
0: They're, they're block zones, so okay. they don't. The computers don't control the. Well, they do control the brakes. They read how fast that the train is going and then if they need to apply some brakes to kind of like correct the speed that they hope that the trains travel on, they will do that. But more importantly, they just register when a train passes through them so that the train behind is clear to enter the next section. And that's what prevents roller coasters of all types, not just Space Mountain, from colliding with each other unless the uh ride operator overrides the block zone in which case you have accidents like the smiler where like it does it does climb
1: right yeah and it's impressive it's all about checkpoints when do these trains hit these checkpoints and the computer makes sure that they aren't going to bump into each other and that allows for the most efficient ride capacity possible they can throw on a bunch of trains onto these tracks at once and make sure that they can get as many people on. That's why, like, even when Space Mountain is, like, a 45-minute wait advertised, like, it can still move pretty quickly. Like, you're still walking through that queue pretty quickly because they are loading trains. They don't even wait for you to put that lap bar down before you're getting shoved up towards the control center, and that's where they tell you to put it down. Like, they're moving these trains, and they have to. I can't imagine and being a cast member on this.
0: Isn't Isn't the only reason that, like the line is so slow at the beginning is because it's like a fire hazard to have so many people down inside the like indoor portion of the queue.
1: Oh, I mean, that makes sense.
0: And so, so they have to like, kind of like limit the line right there to let people go. Cause like, it seems like once you, like once you're walking into that main room on the upper deck, you're just, you're on in like 30 seconds.
2: Yeah. Being, being a cast member in, um, that area for uh what are we talking about space mountain um is definitely high stress i heard on a different podcast from someone who used to work that ride that when you're loading it up you have to do it fast because otherwise it like malfunctions the ride and like they give you strikes and after a certain amount of strikes they like let you go like they'll either fire you or move you like if you cause the ride to break down too much yeah it's definitely high stress
1: (gasps) totally i wouldn't be able to do that it's way too much for me so I talked about last time, you know, my criteria for these best attractions. And one of them is immersion. How well immersed are you when you enter these these queues? And Space Mountain's an interesting one because the beginning of the queue when you're walking up past what is now Pizza Planet is pretty butchered up from what it used to be. Like it, it used to be this speed ramp that you would go kind of glide up over the restaurant, but now you have to go in kind of around the restaurant and then up onto the roof. And it's interesting because the roof is such a large footprint. And we talk about space in, not space as in the galaxy, but space in Tomorrowland that could be used better. I feel like that roof of Pizza Planet that you walk up and you only kind of stand in one little lane and it's this huge what looks like a helipad could be used for like something really cool up there. And I don't understand why they don't use it.
2: I feel like it's in the direct sunlight. And if they were to add umbrellas and shading and stuff, it would be an eyesore. Like, Mm. I don't know. I I feel like like when you think of what Space Mountain looks like, maybe I'm wrong, but that's what I think of. Like, I just think of hot sun. Like, that's why the queue is so short right there. So you're in that shaded part. Oh, yeah. Over there. It's out in the open. Oh, yeah. So I'm wondering if they just don't want to even deal with it because it would look ugly. I don't know.
1: Sure. Yeah. And I agree. I'm glad that they don't queue us up there. Like I think, but I think that space could be used for something. There could be something there uh, that is not space mountain related. It just exists there. They could put. I don't even know what they could do. But <laughs> let's move on. Where you head into what now they use this like massive indoor area that feels like a almost a terminal for the spaceport itself. There's a bunch of graphics of space on the wall and all. It's just it's like a big holding station. There's not a whole lot of theming, but there's some stuff to look at. And then you get to go through like the walkways of this spaceport. And that's the coolest part. That's where the dude is telling you that you're about to go on a roller coaster like ride. There's dark, dark spaces and stuff like that. Head all the way down and you, you come into the room that Chris was just talking about. Uh, that could be a fire hazard because there's really only one area in and out. <laughs> and you're all walking side by side and you see the big like space booster above you and that's the most impressive part you feel like kind of you're you know the suspense has been building as you're walking through all of these corridors that feel like they kind of last forever and then finally the room opens up and you're right next to a big rocket booster and you see the loading down below and you're you're ready you're ready to go once you get on you go through this crazy roller coaster in the dark there's the theming inside is just darkness with a a bunch of dazzling lights everywhere on some of the walls, like galaxies and the like, Milky Way is projected onto it. And you're going, you're going not as fast as you think, as Chris brought up last time. Uh, it's mostly the darkness that makes you feel like you're going fast and all of the quick turns that you can't see. Uh, and it's, it's thrilling. It's awesome. I love this attraction. When it first opened, this thing didn't have sound. And I think that is really weird. You just went through like a dark building and you just heard the screeching of your roller coaster and the whooshing of like the tracks going by you because it's just a big maze of tracks in silence, just screams. And thank goodness that our boy Eddie Soto, Imagineer Eddie Soto said, we should throw some music up in this because this is a little weird. And in 1996, which feels super late to start adding this kind of stuff. But in 1996, he teamed up with composer Aaron Richard and they made what I think is the greatest of the Space Mountain attractions. They took legendary surf rock guitarist Dick Dale and they said, We are going to have you go on a space adventure, Dick. Let's get it going. And boy, does he deliver. It's so funny that they went surf rock for a space attraction.
0: It is, but it's one of those perfect kind of combinations at right. the same time.
1: Yeah, it's awesome. Um, 2003, this ride closed for a huge refurb where they took the track out and replaced it completely, which is probably needed. Uh, shout out the Matterhorn that hasn't done that because you literally couldn't. And then in 2005, our boy, whose name I say differently every single time, Michael Giacchino <laughs> go, goes ahead and composes what we know as the Space Mountain soundtrack today, uh, which is why it feels very incredibles e. You know, it's very uh, whirly and mid-century sounding and, and action-packed that he does with a lot of his scores. Does the same thing here. 2006, something weird happens. Grad night. We've all gone to grad night. Oh, Tyus, no. so you did grad night at Disneyland. Chris, did you do grad night at Disneyland?
0: No, my high school was banned from a prior incident. So we did grad night uh 12 hours in a bowling alley. It was really <laughs> really really long time bowling, but I got really good at bowling. <laughs> okay.
1: <laughs> 12. Hours. Okay, we're going to have to hear about this bowling alley activity another time because uh, that's a long time to be stuck at an alley, but in 2006 for grad night, just just only at night, this ride would switch to
2: rock it
1: rock it space mountain which featured a like way harder rock score to go along with the attraction only for grad night because that's what the high school seniors want they want some rock and roll baby rock and roll (laughs) on my space mountain and then that december they're like the kids love it they love some rock and roll on space mountain uh sorry, Dick Dale, sorry, uh, Michael Incredibles. We're not gonna do that anymore. We are going to bring in the red hot chili peppers. We are going to celebrate the year of a million dreams. We're gonna call this thing Rockin' Space Mountain, and we're gonna use the song Higher Ground, and that's gonna be the soundtrack to our attraction. And they did that there, and on California Screamin', they did Around the World by Red Hot Chili Peppers. Red Hot Chili Peppers are now officially In the attraction zeitgeist of disney parks
0: so when when was this and for how long was this
1: december of 2006 and then all the way until april of 2007 which it turned back to the Giacchino score
0: so like five months
1: yeah and in those five months i went baby oh i went
0: i'm trying like i that was when i was going to the parks the most as like a as like a 13 13 year old 14 year old and, and I don't remember this at all. So I, I either missed the window or it was just so traumatizing <laughs> that I have blocked it from my memory.
1: Tess, did you experience the Red Hot Cherry, Chili Peppers era of Spi- Space Mountain?
2: I did not.
1: Oh my gosh. Both of you go watch a ride through of this. This is like 2007 is when my current brain has begun forming. And that's where I remember a lot of these moments in parks. And this is definitely one of them going on this and going on screaming and being like, how long have the chili peppers been <laughs> on this thing? Like, <laughs> it's- well, I,
0: I remember the, the refurb, the, the big, the big refurbishment. And, and that was what 2004, you said? Yeah. 2003?
1: 2003 to
0: 2005. Long time. And yeah. this was like before, I mean, I, w- I was 11. So this was before. I was old enough to use the internet in the way sure. that we do now. And I wasn't like reading mice chat right. park updates. So like we roll up as a family with my cousins. What we're like, beeline for space. We're about to get on space mountain <laughs> right for a row. We're right for road to throw up. We're going to do marathon space mountain it closed until 2006. We're like, what? Uh, what? There's just a sign out front. And like, that was how you got your information back then.
1: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, I'm definitely going to send you the, the ride through of this attraction with the Red Hot Chili Peppers because it is something. April 2007, it returns to normal, but that's not the last of the overlays. In 2009, the friendly Ghost Galaxy shows up for Halloween time taking featuring a very, very ominous and creepy soundtrack, which I, I've been on Ga- Ghost Galaxy a ton didn't really remember the the score at all because I was just like, what is happening? Why is it like this? Why are we doing this? The projections aren't that great. And uh, it's actually really scary. I listened to it before this recording mm-hmm. and it's actually really creepy. It's a very well done uh, score. But in that uh, space gets taken over by this massive ghost persona and it's projected onto the wall. So when you, you're you going up that lift hill, he shows up on the wall above you and you're like, oh, no, a ghost. And then you go... F- Rolling through and he appears again in and where the like the Milky Way galaxy projection is. And it's just a little creepy. Um, That was happening every Halloween uh, seasonally until 2018. And in 2015, Hyperspace Mountain shows up and basically takes over like every Space Mountain. Like I'm talking Tokyo. I'm talking Paris. I'm talking Walt Disney World. Like this overlay for Star Wars hit every Space Mountain. It was basically a no brainer for them. I will say it was kind of cool the first time going through to like the John Williams score. Uh, and you they lit up some of the tracks so that it looked like the blasters were flying by you as you go. There's a bunch of like X-Wing and, and TIE fighters zooming around and, and as projections uh, above you. But it got old fast and it overstayed its welcome. It was like there from 2015 until like January of 2020. Like they just kept this thing. And every once in a while, they turn it off and it'll be normal. And they'll be like, oh, another Star Wars movie. You know what we can do? Yeah. Change it back to hyperspace. So January 2020, uh, it got changed back to, to what it is, the modern version. And that's, that's the attraction. I love it. I love that this is a coaster that is just so well-themed. And it's up against another coaster that is also very well-themed. The Big Thunder Mountain Railroad is great for its land it's perfect where it is it takes the atmosphere of frontierland the the weenie of frontierland and turns it into an attraction and the queue for big thunder is also great it's nice to kind of walk through this like western rock work and pass by rainbow ridge and you pass by some like creeks and some some water features before you go up into the loading station that feels like an old-timey train station it's very interesting Uh, When these two are stacked up against each other, I have to go Space Mountain because, gosh darn it, that last lift hill on Big Thunder sucks. And the ride experience of Space Mountain is exciting, thrilling from the start to the end, and I love it a lot. I'm going Space Mountain.
0: So let's talk about the roller coaster credits that exist at Disneyland Resort. You got Big Thunder and Space Mountain, You got Gadgets Go Coaster and you've got California Screaming. Am I missing any besides those four?
2: Uh, Goofies, you you say say Goofies? Oh
0: yeah, that Goofies one that I always forget because it's awful. Not only is Big Thunder Mountain the best themed roller coaster at the Disneyland Resort, it is the best roller coaster roller coaster at the Disneyland Resort for a number of reasons. No. Uh, Space Mountain. Is a really good ride, but roller coaster ride in the dark is such an incredible cop out. <laughs> uh, at Six Flags Great Adventure in Jackson Township, New Jersey, there is an attraction called Skull Mountain, and it's it's got this really cool facade. It's like a giant skull, um, kind of like uh, in Peter Pan, the like Skull Island or whatever. And when I went to ride this ride for the first time, I didn't really know anything about it. It just looked cool from the outside. I'm like, this is like a themed... Is this like the mummy? Is this like Indiana Jones? Like, what is this? Like, me and Julia didn't really know. So we just, like, got in the line, and we, we must have waited, like, an hour. It was one of the longer waits we waited on all day, and the uh, the load station was decently themed, and then we got into these trains that were also decently themed. Huh? Uh, and then we we kind of like turn a corner to go up the lift hill, and the whole thing is just like a roller coaster in a warehouse with <laughs> all the lights off. Um, and then like at the very end, the finale is like a Walmart Halloween mask that is lit up <laughs> with, with like psychedelic colors, and that's why it's called Skull Mountain, I guess. I I don't know. And Space Mountain is is one step up from that. It's in the dark. And and just a few fun lighting effects and some music.
1: Yeah, that's a lot. That's a big step up.
0: One of the most important elements, or two, two of the most important elements of a roller coaster experience uh, are the sensation of height. Yeah, and and like your surroundings and you. Literally don't get that in Space Mountain. What are you talking you about? You, you don't know how no. high you are. That's, that's the greatest part is you don't no, know no, how, how high you are. No, that's the worst part. That's the worst part. Enough. I like I the sensation of like, oh, if I fly out of this thing, I know exactly how far I'm going to go. It is way, way down there.
1: If I fly out of Space Mountain, I'm stuck in this mountain forever. That's my mindset. <laughs> I, yeah, I could be floating. I could be two inches above the ground. I could be, you know... 35 mm-hmm. feet above the guy. Mm-hmm.
0: I don't it's know. It's incredibly claustrophobic, and I don't like it. <laughs> number two. What? Number two. This is this is um, like a roller coaster, I guess, fundamental that doesn't exist on every ride, but it exists on the good ones. It's called the near-miss element. Uh, yep. Sometimes the head chopper effect. Space Mountain has so many head chopper moments, but you don't see any of them because it's all in the dark. Thank God you're just like scared to put your hands up because who knows, there might really be head choppers or might not, but with big thunder, you can see the head choppers. Sure. It, it's like the, the trestle from another part of the track and your hands are up and you're like, I'm going to lose both of my hands right now. If I don't put them down at this very moment, Yeah, there's a bunch of little like overhangs from the caverns and stuff. And, and that stuff is really, really fun for me to be able to like enjoy. Not just guess that they might be there. I guess I'll I'll throw in a third element of the roller coaster experience. Every roller coaster should have two versions. Daytime and the night ride. And a lot of times the night ride is like the next level. Let's go, baby. It's uh-huh. a night ride. It's about to get real. A lot of times you're body has is just like running on adrenaline because it's at the end of the day you, you've been beaten up by rides for so long uh you're just you're just like i said running on adrenaline at that point you get to see some pretty lights from like other things in the park and also uh roller coasters are like cars in that they heat up and they when they start at the beginning of the day they're a little bit cold and they're a little bit slow uh-huh. and by the end of the day on a summer night they're, they're hauling. And so all of these factors make the night ride sometimes a more desirable experience than a morning ride or a daytime ride space mountain you get you get one ride it's <sighs> it's the same every single time. Big Thunder Mountain, if you have never ridden Big Thunder Mountain during a fireworks show, oh my god, religious experience i yeah. mean mandy Mandy called the cresting the space mountain lift hill a religious experience how about (laughs) how about cresting the second big thunder mountain lift hill while the fireworks are going off? that is a religious experience space mountain definitely has um some airtime moments like very small little dips big thunder mountain i i would say just the same both kind of tend to rely on shorter drops and lateral forces for like actual thrills totally I feel like Big Thunder is just a slightly smoother ride. I mean, last time I went, I I said this a couple times now, I got such a good ride on Big Thunder this last time, and it was uh, really, I was really happy to experience it. I'm going Big Thunder. And like, it's taken a very long time for Big Thunder to pass up Space Mountain in my Disneyland ride rankings, but it has finally done it. So this tiebreaker is going to test.
2: I'm happy about this. Okay. I feel like Space Mountain... It's a ride that when you're a teenager and you're allowed to like the ride rides by yourself and you want to ride all the roller coasters, like Space Mountain is the thing. Like when I first started going to Disneyland as a teenager, um, that's what I wanted to ride. Cause I wanted thrill rides. I wanted everything to be like Great America and Six Flags and Disneyland really isn't that. So if you want that experience, you have to do Space Mountain or California Screaming. So I don't know. And then as time goes on, you know, I talked last bracket about like what's the payoff, what's the ride wait time versus what you get out of it. And Space Mountain is really fun, and you're going fast, and your eyes tear up, but it's going so fast, or it feels that way. Um, But yeah, it's a roller coaster in the dark, and Big Thunder just has immaculate theming, and it, I. One of the last times I went to Disneyland, I rode it as many times as I could in the last half hour of the park, and I got three times, three times in a row. Um, So yeah, obviously Big
1: Thunder. Y'all didn't experience the Red Hot Chili Peppers era, and it shows right now. (laughs) It shows.
0: Big Mountain Thunder moves on (laughs) to the next round. It's going to the final four. Down goes Space. I'm sorry. I'm not. (laughs) Hey. Okay, so so let's let's move on to the next matchup. It's number four, Pirates versus number twelve, Mister Toad's Wild Ride. And I said I would come in with some hot hot takes, um, but I'm not I'm not about to I'm not about to blow this one up because yeah, you better not <laughs> because, because it's Pirates of the Caribbean uh, for sure. And Toad, um, I basically advanced it on the last episode out of spite for Peter Pan <laughs> because I just I just wanted Peter Pan off this bracket. Uh, Mr. Toad, I I appreciate um, kind of how close you get to a lot of the effects in the attraction. You don't really get that on a whole lot of other dark rides at Disneyland. um, And I called that out on the last episode. So uh, bonus, it's always the Fantasyland attraction with the shortest wait, in my experience. Sometimes Sometimes you'll get like a freak afternoon where you're like, uh, why is everyone trying to ride Toad all of a sudden? It was like <laughs> it was like the mice chat meetup did like a toad toad hall raid on toad hall and everyone just decided to ride it one time. Yeah. Um but yeah, it's pirates. I, I want to talk about pirates next round. I don't think we have to waste a whole lot of time on it right now when it's going up against a very weak Mr. Toad.
1: Yeah, yep, I agree. Pirates is definitely gonna move on for me. I also really want to talk more about it, but I think we can save that for the next round. Uh, Tess, do you agree with Pirates over Toad?
2: Oh yeah, that's fine. I mean, I love New Pirates Toad, but uh, yeah, the theming alone is just completely not on the same level.
1: Alright, let's move on to the next Elite 8 matchup. It's the number 2 Indiana Jones Adventure versus the number 7 Haunted Mansion. Hmm. Uh, well, yeah, this Ooh. is... This is something. This is something right here. Indiana Jones 1994, Haunted Mansion 1969. We talked about all of the, the Imagineers that worked on the Haunted Mansion last time. Yale Gracie, Cod Coates, Mark Davis, Rolly Crump, Exitensio, Ken Anderson. These are legends. These are legends in the Imagineer space in the animation space. And they all collabed on this incredible attraction. These are also two, what I feel like, very, very, very immersive attractions from the start. The minute you walk through the gates of the Haunted Mansion, you feel like you're on the property of a mansion. And the minute that you walk past the Indiana Jones sign in Adventureland, you are in this temple area. You are in a jungle. You are walking up to the temple entrance. You're walking through the caverns and the archaeological sites and the, you know, the buildings that have been built. Temporarily built out of the side of this temple and held up by bamboo sticks, like it's very incredible what they did with Indiana Jones. They're pretty comparable in their dark rides to make things seem a little bit more realistic, and in that they they lower the lights in order to pull off illusions. And we talked about how Indies has kind of fallen apart a little bit. Haunted Mansions has just not been updated. I think that if they did update it, the park would burn down. I think that they, if they moved one bolt from that attraction, either it would blow up or the people would storm the gates and take it down because that Walt, what, what would Walt do crowd would not allow it. They would not allow it.
0: They, the Haunted Mansion has the benefit of... Uh, if you were like, oh, the Haunted Mansion is showing its age, be like, good. It's supposed yeah. to. <laughs> <laughs> totally one
2: up. one update that did happen um in the closure was that they cleaned the scrims in the graveyard so it always looks really hazy and foggy but that was literally the scrims being dirty so now you can see everything Hmm. in the graveyard oh good like like you can see all the details that you could never experience before like i don't know i mean you could say that that's like you know, an effect they took away by doing that. But no. I would watch a recent ride through if you can, because it's crazy wow. how night and day it is.
1: I also love the Haunted Mansion for the the legend that comes along with it just in the Disney company and in the history behind it of Walt wanting this haunted mansion. He's always wanted this haunted hill on the house sort of thing in his parks and they didn't know how to do it and they couldn't do it. And then the 1964 World's Fair came along And they put all of their attention to the freaking Mr. Lincoln and that barely even worked. And then they made it to Small World to bring over and that took his attention away again. And then the dude died and they couldn't do anything because he was the only one apparently coming up with ideas of how to make things happen. And finally, they started making things happen. And the Haunted Mansion was able to open. And it's incredible that it still holds up as far as like a, an elite quote-unquote Disney attraction today because of the expectations of people for these the bar that Disney has set obviously it's a great storytelling attraction it's a great immersive attraction but it definitely like the, the graveyard test if you're if you're rolling through that and your doom buggy turns around to that like left hand side and that little ghoul pops up behind the the tombstone you see that little head on the stick every single time. That thing is just there. You can hear the air compressor popping up. It feels like you're, you're at a any haunted house, really. But it's fun. Soundtrack, Elite, got to love it. Love that the, you have a narrator that kind of brings you along for the ride uh, and then eventually leaves you. I think that's just a fun element to just kind of you. Now you're going to take this on your own. You're going to go through this on your own. Hatbox Ghost, Chris.
0: Talk to me about it. The Haunted Mansion installing the Hatbox Ghost was the tipping point for me. For... I no longer am a fan of nostalgia. I no longer am a fan of, like, Disney Parks fan mob mentality. (laughs) And, like, I'm no longer a fan of, like, Disney just giving people what they want. I think the Hatbox Ghost being this sort of urban legend was such an incredible added value to the Haunted Mansion. Totally. Where like it's a ghost story in itself, right? Hmm. And I remember like staying up late at night many times and in like my early Disney parks fandom days and like reading about this ghost and looking at just a couple of photos that existed. And like, you know, one guy's found footage home movie of like, this could be the hat box ghost. Like, let's put him kind of like, um, transpose him on the position where we think he might have been. That was so cool to just like, uh, dream about what, what it could have been like what could have been there. Um, so no, I did not think it was a necessary audition, a- addition. I didn't think it was missing from the attraction at all. I wasn't like, Oh man, this would be so much better with a hat box goes like it was, it was already really good. Like it was one of those things. It was like, we got what we wanted, but we lost, we lost, you know, like I said, we lost the ghost story. Mm-hmm. Um, is it done well? <sighs> I, like, The original concept was... It was like a practical effect, right? Where it was just... Almost like
1: a shade would go over the face and then a shade would open up in the hat box and the face would appear. It was like a very... you know, Because it would be so dark that you couldn't see that there would be like a black screen over the illusion.
0: And like so much of what I love about the Haunted Mansion and why I think it has remained a relevant attraction where we don't say, oh my gosh, this, this attraction is showing its age is because so many of those illusions have been around for centuries. Like the pepper's ghost in the ballroom, you know, it's just, it's such a simple illusion, but so incredibly effective that people who have little pieces of plastic in their pockets that can transport them to anywhere in the world can look at that illusion and be like, how the heck did they do that? I yeah. have no idea, and so like the the hatbox ghost in its original form would have been something like that, and I guess the the projection type of technology that exists now has kind of like shortcutted it and made it almost too easy. <laughs> um, and I he feels a little bit too animated. Okay, just like in the way he kind of like moves his body and his facial expressions that are a little bit. I mean, He's I know the haunted mansion. The Haunted Mansion is supposed to be like half scary, half goofy, but it, it leans a little bit goofy for me when the original design of the Hatbox was so terrifyingly ghoulish. Yeah, sure. Uh, the sound effect, I, I think they might have changed it because I feel like originally I remember it being like a sparkle, like glittery sound effect where it was like. And it like went into the hat box and I was like, it would have been better with like a ghostly whoosh. And I think they might have changed. I think
1: it's it. a whoosh. I think it's a whoosh.
0: Yeah. Um, which is, which is the right move.
1: Ghost. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. I, I think it's cool. It doesn't add or, tra- or detract anything for me. I think it's just, it's a cool animatronic that you pass by as you continue on your tour of this, of this haunted house. Uh, It's up against Indiana Jones. We talked a lot about it last time. You know my quips. You know my qualms. You know what it's all about. Uh, Best Disneyland attraction for me is going to have to be the Haunted Mansion. And I say that because of the legend that comes along with it. The storytelling, the original storytelling that has been added into it that is the the Haunted Mansion. The attraction is an original story. Uh, Indiana Jones is an original story. Like This attraction is not from a movie um, but it takes from an ip that disney basically bought and if you don't know who indiana jones is this is just an adventure ride for you and it's a great adventure ride but the originality the disney magic that is turning this haunted house that is a a small little facade and you get transported under a berm into this big show building but you have no idea that you have been All of that adds to the illusion of this attraction. And I think being lost in that immersion and in that magic is what Disney is all about. Not to say that Indiana Jones doesn't do it, but Haunted Mansion does it in a little bit more of a Disney way. Uh, Indiana Jones feels like a really, really high class, uh, like universal ride. Not to say that it's like I could see this in a universal park. Indiana Jones, for sure. Uh, The ride vehicle is definitely Disney Imagineering gold. But... I think that Haunted Mansion just hits the head when it comes to Disney. I'm going Haunted Mansion.
0: When was the last time you went to Universal Park?
1: I was like I was in like 5th grade.
0: <laughs> even like even even today, like Universal is killing the roller coaster game, but they're still decades behind in the in the dark ride world. Uh I mean, we'll see how the Mario Kart thing turns out, but People who complain about IP based attractions can shut up. <laughs> I, I'm with you. I'm with you. Because Haunted Mansion, not wow. Well, yes, Haunted Mansion, because Eddie Murphy is brilliant and he should be in the Haunted Mansion attraction. No. Um, but, wow. but I meant to say, but I meant to say Indiana Jones. Indiana Jones had like a two or three hour wait when it thread first opened, and like has maintained the same level of popularity for decades. Sure. Uh, Like, notoriously the longest line. Obviously, maintenance issues sometimes have something to do with that, but it's like, from the diehard Disney fans to the diehard frequent park goers to the general public, everyone loves this ride. So people who are worried about, like, oh, no... It's all going to be Marvel and Star Wars in the future. Like, Peter Pan's IP, Snow White's IP.
1: Yeah, totally. I'm like, with you. Like, the
0: number, the number of rides that aren't IPs is smaller than yeah. rides that are IPs. I'm with you. Matterhorn's an IP. Hello. <laughs> Crazy people. Yeah. You have a whole Matterhorn cinematic universe waiting to be created. <laughs> um,. But no, but, but it was, but it was, um, like inspired by third man on a mountain. Yep. Uh, anyways, it's haunted mansion. It's haunted mansion for all the reasons that I talked about the practical effects. I mean, there are a ton of practical effects in Indiana Jones too, but, um, kind of like what you said about how you walk up and it's like a whole house that you're walking into and, uh. I don't know. Some, something about that. It's just you get a, You get a, a bit of a different sensation when you walk through those doors than you do uh, the Temple of the Forbidden Eye, which is great. I mean, these are two really good attractions, but it's I love I love the Haunted Mansion too much. Tess, do we agree?
2: For sure. I think Haunted Mansion, like it's gonna, it stays. Haunted Mansion always has a great level of like I get a great level of happiness whenever I go through there. Like it's just it feels like home to me. And Indy is great, but you rely on it to not break down. And sure. like I feel like I've just had a lot of bad luck. And the past two trips I went, like every other time the boulder wasn't working. And then it's just a letdown. It's like I went through this whole thing and then the boulders just stuck. And it's just, you know, there's just too many mechanical errors on that ride for it to be consistently amazing all the time. As much as I love Indy, haunted mansion is just a staple and consistently. Um, doesn't let you down in
0: that department. <laughs> All right. Haunted mansion goes to, uh, the final four. Who will it face next round? We've got number three rise of the resistance versus number 11. It's a small world. So rise of the resistance. We talked a little bit about it on the last episode, love the the like variety of ride experiences you get there you get you get an incredibly detailed immersive cue, which yeah. is so important uh, and you look at a ride like Space Mountain like that cue doesn't become super themed until like the end. so what let's break down some of the smaller elements. It's got some animatronics in it. it has a fin um when you're you're doing something. People's people are shooting at you, and then you kind of like go into this little hangar or something where the the at at walkers are shooting at you, and there's like a fin by a door, and he's like, "Take
2: the elevator."
0: Oh yeah. No, I not don't that even way. That.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he's I think he's more apparent on one side versus the other, or maybe oh. I'm making that up.
0: You go up some. You go up the lift. You come out. You go go on to like the deck where Kylo and General Hux are like conspiring and they see you. Um that part is pretty cool that part is pretty cool to me. Um the feel like feeling the sense of space in like the the bridge of a giant galactic star cruiser like that, um is really cool. We used to love going to the Star Trek experience. Um in Las Vegas. Have I ever talked about the Star Trek experience on this podcast?
1: You mentioned it before, but I think it was very briefly.
0: It was it was phenomenal. I'm sad that it no longer exists, but like um the immer- the immersions there in that moment, uh when you're on the bridge with Kylo and Hux, and you end up like going backwards, there's a lightsaber that goes through a roof, uh these blaster cannon things yeah. are like shooting out And you have to kind of like time your walk, your your vehicle, like times itself going in between the blasters and you can see space out on one side of you. Right. That's one of the best parts of the whole ride because that part feels so real. Like that is on the level of the Boulder in Indiana Jones where you're like, I don't know if this thing is going (laughs) to run into me or not. Or like, is this effect going to malfunction and like T-bone us in our little ride vehicle? Um, and then, of course, uh, the, you've got the simulator element to end it. Such a good ride. It's such a fun attraction. We shouted out the Stormtrooper room as well at the beginning. The, the level of effort they put into this ride was so refreshing. Yes. During a time when so many dark rides, both Disney and non, were leaning towards screen technology and projection mapping to do the heavy lifting for the attraction. We saw it with Remy and uh, Snow White's Enchanted. eh, That might might have come later. Um, And Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway came a bit later. But when this um, trackless technology first came out, the specter of the quote-unquote black box attraction was always kind of like lingering in the background. That at any moment, Disney could create a ride that is basically just on a sound stage. There are no animatronics. There are no physical sets. It's just projections. And they could change it to a completely different theme and story at any moment. And I don't know if that's something that like Imagineering said that they could and would do, or it was just like someone thought that up and was like, oh, I guess it's plausible.
1: I think what they said that... That like um we can make this whatever we want because of the screen technology. I think they said that with Guardians of the Galaxy mission breakout, because they were like, We shot and every every opening is going to be a screen and we shot it at a specific way that every camera angle so that you could it felt like you were actually on that mm-hmm. stage with them. And the benefit of us shooting it like this is that we can swap it in and out any way we want, and we can throw overlays on it. Um so I think that's where that first kick began was when they turned the Tower of Terror into the Gardens of the Galaxy.
0: But walking into that Stormtrooper hangar was the Unreal. moment where I was like, there's, there's no way that this could ever be rethemed to anything else but Star Wars. Yeah. Um, so, so it was cool. It was, like again, a level of immersion that only Disney can do. Um, here's the thing, though. Is Star Wars a difficult theme to create and maintain. When you think about the aesthetic of the Star Wars universe, the materials that they use to create a spaceship, it's all like clean plastic and metal. Hmm. So while it is accurate and therefore detailed and immersive, is it incredibly mind-blowing? Yes but it's it feels a little it's uh, slightly easy to me.
1: I don't know. You like the Star Wars fan base is the most avid and dedicated fan base that I think you have to get almost everything right in an immersive Star Wars attraction. Like I don't think that a Star Wars is a open it up and build it and it looks like a spaceport and so therefore it's Star Wars. I think there's a lot of details that could and probably mostly do go over my head that is very intentional in a Star Wars look and feel that makes sense to the avid Star Wars fan.
0: And I think that it would feel a little bit more like a easy option to do like the spaceship theme if it weren't for but to itself and like mm. everything about that themed land is just like crazy detailed. Mm-hmm. So it, it it doesn't feel like a shortcut when you take the entire Galaxy's Edge experience and and like put it into one package. It's a small world. An incredibly immersive experience in its own right.
1: Uh,
0: yeah. what do they call it? Like the happiest little happiest cruise around the world or, yeah. around the world or something. Love that, you know? (laughs) And I don't know. What would Walt do? No. What would Walt do
1: that thing would be gone if What would Walt do and something like Rise of the Resistance would exist. He was all about pushing technology. This thing is a boat flume that isn't even in flooded rooms. He'd like this is this is such an outdated tech that he would be like we gotta move on from this, everybody.
0: The thing is, like, you have to consider that Disneyland is for everyone. Yeah, no, for sure. For, for people of all ages, for people of all body types that come from all walks of life. Yeah. And have multiple interests, different different interests and different things that inspire them. Look, I, I acknowledge that not everyone likes Star Wars. And, and while I do think it is a Incredible attraction for even a non-Star Wars fan. It's a bit intense. Uh, okay. you, you are you're absolutely in a Star Wars in, <laughs> in Rise of the Resistance. Big time. There is something good about the gentleness of It's a Small World that puts the park in theme park. If Rise of the Resistance puts the the theme in theme park, it's a small world puts the park in theme park. A, a nice place to spend a leisurely weekend afternoon with the whole family. Uh like there is nothing not to like about It's a Small World. I think when you factor in the ease in which you can get on It's a Small World, in addition to the iconic It's a small world song that everyone who speaks the English language knows. I have to give it to It's a Small World here.
1: Rise of the Resistance is the best attraction on this planet. And I haven't even been on every single attraction on this planet. This thing is an incredible feat of imaginary, of storytelling, of show, of immersion. It is phenomenal. But I believe I didn't even pass it along last time because I feel like Star Wars is such a new phenomenon in Disneyland that it doesn't even feel like a Disneyland attraction at times. Uh, Much like I'm sure Indiana Jones did the same thing to Adventureland. I'm sure people were having that that same take that this doesn't feel very Disneyland because what the heck is Indiana Jones doing here in Adventureland? Yeah, I mean, I was going to move Small World on anyways. I think that that just fits way more <laughs> Tess, of the Disneyland profile. Fits way more of the Disneyland profile than Rise of the Resistance. You think about asking anyone who's been in, been to the park in the last year and a half and ask them if they've been on Rise and ask them if they've been on Small World. Half the time, they probably couldn't get on Rise because it is near impossible to get onto that attraction. And if that accessibility isn't there then how can you crown it the best attraction if no one can get on it? That that doesn't make for a good attraction if you can't ride it. That's just a big show building out in the distance. I'm going small world. That means small world's moving on. Tess, let us have it.
2: I I hear you. I get. I I don't get it. I mean, it's it's not what's the most accessible ride. Which ride have you ridden the most? Which one has the shortest queue? It's like which is the better attraction? Okay, like it's combination a of all of Yeah, all of
0: those things make an attraction better. <laughs>
2: no, it's the technology. Like I know that Disneyland nerds like us appreciate Small World more than the everyday park goer. The everyday park goer are the whiners that say the song is annoying and they're like, I don't know, whatever they say. I love Mary Blair. I love Small World. I love Small World Holiday. Like, I'm all about Small World, but it's just comparing apples and oranges. It's comparing a really old park staple that has so much history and that everyone can enjoy. I do agree with you, I I do think about the accessibility in the sense of, can everyone, is it a family ride? Like, I get that. Um, You know, Rise of the Resistance is more accessible than other rides. You know, if you're having equilibrium issues as you <laughs> get older, it's way more accessible than like Guardians of the Galaxy or other shaker upper rides. But I don't know. It's just all the immersive details. And I'm not a diehard Star Wars fan. Like I'll, I'll end with this. My two favorite parts of the attraction are just so small and they're not even what makes the attraction so great. But it's the, um, when you leave, when you leave the show building, and you're going back to exit the ride and you're, you have that, um, you know, circular moment where you see the other, um, part of the, um, I don't know. What's the, what's the guy and the, when you're in the queue, when you're in the, the part that right before the, uh, you get, get, get captured and it's right before the, um, the, the, I'm having such word finding issues, guys. <laughs> <Are> <laughs> you guys.
0: Are you okay, talking again, about more, Admiral to- Akbar?
2: Yes, yes. So when you have that circular moment right before you go to the end, and you 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 really feel like you're on the other side of the ship. I love oh, that yes, part. Yes, 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 So yes. simple. Sorry, that was I had like three different word finding moments, but I couldn't find any of the words. But I love <laughs> that part. Um, I don't know. There's just so many parts about that attraction that objectively make it a better attraction. I get why you guys love small world as do i but it's objectively not a better attraction and this is the best attraction bracket so this
0: is madness this is not an objective podcast (laughs) (laughs) amen all right not
1: contentious at all everything was fine everything's good there were no qualms with our pick there small world rounds out our final four which brings us to that first matchup. Number 8, Big Thunder Mountain Railroad, versus the number 4 Pirates of the Caribbean. All right, Pirates time. <laughs> Haven't done it, it's time to do it. Let's talk about it. This is an attraction that has been a part of Disneyland since Disneyland's first major land expansion project in park history. This attraction rolls around 1967, enters New Orleans Square. A part of the park that took over what was a portion of Frontierland. Frontierland used to be absolutely massive um, and stretch and kind of engulf Adventureland, which was still just that little strip. And it turned that entire area, even all the way to where the mansion ended up being all Frontierland. It's absolutely insane how big that footprint was. But then... Walt had a a a love for New Orleans, and he said, "I need that in my park and they did it very well. That land looks like the French quarter of New Orleans if you've ever been It's very impressive how similar they were able to make the architecture to the actual place. I really like that, so this attraction uh takes you. From a estate building, basically, Uh, that's the queue. You walk through this kind of courtyard that is very much a New Orleans feeling courtyard with a fountain in the middle and you wrap around the sides up the little bridge area and in through the front gates. Sometimes you go around the estate on the left-hand side of the line, depending on if they've extended the queue or not. Sometimes you spill out into the walkway uh, if you go into the right lane. but. On a normal day, you can just kind of twirl your way in, walk straight through the doors, and you end up in these two lines that go along what is this waterway um, that the boats are on. So you get to see people that are just getting out of the attraction, getting back to the loading queue. You launch off from a landing that's called Lafitte's Landing. John Lafitte was a French pirate and privateer way, 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 way back. And he actually operated a warehouse where he smuggled goods uh, that were took in during his time as a privateer in New Orleans. So it fits that his landing, Lafitte's Landing, would be the place of launch from New Orleans Square into this Caribbean type atmosphere, because this is a, a port where a lot of these privateers would keep their goods that they stole under, you know, government rule as privateers. In reality, they were just pirates that had a uh, a search warrant. And we hate that about them. That's not a good thing. Now, piracy is not a good thing in general, but uh, for this story. So you're cruising along the bayou. Uh, it's a, you're in the dark show building. There's a night sky above you. To your right, you have the Blue Bayou Restaurant, which is a fan favorite. It is probably my favorite restaurant, not because of the food, But definitely because of the ambiance and now they have alcohol and now it's just the place I want to be at all times of the day. (laughs) It is phenomenal. The hurricane hurts your stomach, so be aware of that. But uh, it's a great place to sit and have a beer and just be in this New Orleans type atmosphere. Chris, you talked about Big Thunder difference uh, night and day riding this thing. Daytime Pirates is interesting because you enter nighttime. Right when you walk through the queue, it is a, it's night at all times. And you exit out and you enter the blinding sun. Nighttime Pirates Elite. <laughs> nighttime Pirates feels like you are entering this dock building and you hop onto a boat in the nighttime and you go through the caverns and you exit out back at night. It's just that, that consistency, the continuity of story when it is nighttime is phenomenal. But when you, when you go through that Pieces of Eight, Uh, Right next to the pieces of eight exit and you enter onto Royal Street, blinded. (laughs) It is absolutely blinding. But we're back on the boat. You're passing by the Blue Bayou on your right. People could be obnoxious and be saying stuff to you or they could be quiet and let you enjoy the ambiance. I prefer them being quiet and let you enjoy the ambiance because there are crickets. There are fireflies flying around. You pass our boy on the banjo sitting there playing a little tune on his porch on his little bayou porch. Love that. And then you enter like this portal. And I don't really know how to describe this like portal of a of an entrance into the caverns before you. You see the story of these pirates, but it almost feels like you you got swept away into like a sewage drain, and you're being dropped off into like a water <laughs> oh treatment plant. And there's a skull and crossbones above you that's like, are you sure you want to go down there? Like, this is where we put our trash and our sewage. And you're like, bring me. And he's like, all right, people don't pass by this way. And you go down into your, in this magical land. It's just kind of funny. It's like a brick facade that you go down before you hit that first hill.
0: And I never... Ever thought about that, and that is a hundred percent what it is.
1: <laughs> you got swept out of the bayou into the water treatment plant, and on your way down, you die. And this is your existential, like, you've left your body and you're experiencing this storytelling that is pirates for some reason.
0: So, so like, you get into the caverns down there, yep. and all of the waterfalls are like flushing toilets from the bourbon <laughs> street. <laughs> uh-huh. <above. laughs>
1: Yeah, it's all of the, the, um, the puke from the street above that has flown into the storm drains. And now that's all being dumped down onto you. That's what pirate water actually is. It's just a mixture of like drunken throw up and street waste and rainwater.
0: And, they, and they, oh put, they must put like ammonia down there. And so the whole pirates experience is like a fever dream from the yeah. chemicals. Right,
1: right, 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 right. Exactly. We've, we've nailed it. That's all you got to know. So you do fall down a waterfall and you enter these caverns and it's the most serene, serene place in the world. I love this area of this attraction. The, the hum of the Yoho soundtrack is blaring through these, these is, is gently sending you downstream. You're passing all of these like blue and purples and, and whites in the lit caverns. You pass by on your right the the iconic pirate that is steering a ship that has run aground and there is a lightning storm happening and you can kind of see the figure, but once the lightning strikes, you can see it's a skeleton. And that's where you start that part of the story of um this cursed treasure, basically. And you see... The dude uh, sitting on the on the bed, he's looking at like a map on the bed and he is a skeleton. He's looking through a magnifying glass. Basically, the story goes is that this is like the cursed pirates. And then you once you go through this dark tunnel, the dark tunnel is telling you that there's a curse on the other side in the tunnel it's a dark tunnel this tunnel is where davy jones for the last like 15 years existed until they renovated it back to the original tunnel and added the effect the practical effect of the changing uh figure where you pass by and it's a it's a human and then as you pass by it he turns into a skeleton really it's just a use of great use of mirrors but in that dark tunnel you hear a voice and the voice says no fear of evil curses say you Ha ha ha, properly warned, B says I. Who knows when that evil curse will strike the greedy beholders of the bewitched treasure. And that's what you've seen. The pirates got greedy, stole this cursed treasure, and it basically killed them and made them these skeletons who we think are living, right? Like the dude is trying to steer a boat. You got the two folks in at the bar that are guzzling down some hurricanes, I'm sure. And it's just going right down through their body. They're cursed. They're cursed pirates. They're these immortal pirates. And that's really what the Curse of the Black Pearl tries to play on in that first original movie. Then you get to see how they got there. All of the pirates are alive. Yoho starts playing. You're, well, I guess you go through the um, the Port Royal where you pass by the boat and Barbossa is screaming over and the the fort is yelling for Jack Sparrow. Now, in the original, that storyline wasn't there. The original, it's just these pirates that are pillaging this village. But now there's this Jack Sparrow storyline that goes through. I don't recognize it as my pirates, but we accept it. It can, It's whatever. Pass by the boats. Pirates are pillaging this village. Village is on fire. You go through this fiery wreckage. You see the drunken pirates at the end who have stolen this treasure and now are testing fate by shooting each other in an armory. Then you go right back up the waterfall that you came down. You exit the water treatment plant back on the other side into the daylight or the nighttime. Um, This, I mean, this is, goes up there with Haunted Mansion, right? It's like these Imagineers got together and told the story of this cursed treasure. And instead of telling it in an order that you're used to, from beginning to end, pirates do something bad. They steal the treasure. They're dead or cursed. They show you at the beginning. These are look. look what, where are you? Oh, there's a lot of skeletons. Oh, these are like living, living dead people. Oh, this is crazy. Wonder what happened. Then you go through the darkest tunnel of your life. And this voice, this haunting voice is telling you like, this is, see, see that? That's what happens when you steal that cursed treasure. You say there's nothing to worry about. I say you should worry about something. And this is how they did it. And this is how it went down. And you drop the beat and you go in and it's yo-ho, yo-ho, Pirate's Life for Me. And you see just that, that iconic, all the iconic show scenes that we all know and love. Uh, what's just, your favorite
0: one? Favorite pirate? Favorite show scene, favorite pirate, sure.
1: Favorite, I, can't, I don't know that I can pick a show scene. I really enjoy the, the water fight between the boat and the fort. A lot mm-hmm. because that building feels so much bigger than it actually is. And the just the firing of the cannons over you is a really cool effect. But my favorite pirate is the dude who, for whatever reason, is stealing all of the hats. And he <laughs> has one foot on a boat and one foot on land. And he's trying to get into the boat, but he's holding all of the hats. Like, my boy just really wanted to get fresh one night and said, let me grab all of the hats in this village. And he's like, he's like bouncing on it. Balancing. I, I love that guy. What, what, what about you? Tell me yours.
0: Favorite show scene is the pirate with one leg over oh, the of course. bridge uh-huh. that you can like look up and see his nasty, dirty leg. Yep. Um. And what? He's holding like a bottle of rum that's on fire, right? Yeah. He's like mm-hmm. holding an active Molotov cocktail. <laughs> like what, what happened to that guy after we went under the bridge? Blowed up. You got, can he get blown up though because he's cursed
1: oh <laughs> uh, that's true that's true uh
0: favorite pirate though is uh i feel like so many of the pirates look the same oh yeah they're kind like of all like, the same
1: faces
0: <laughs> so so my favorite pirate is the one super distinct looking pirate and that is the little short Chubby one that looks like a giant baby in the three person band. Oh. He's like It yeah, yeah. <laughs> he was like how is this is this Mr. Smee's cousin? That is that is a great pirate.
1: That's a great pirate. Oh man, I love that guy. I love that guy. Tess, who who's yours? Who's your favorite pirate?
2: I, I would just say that my favorite show scene is that little three-person band with, with the donkey. I was, I love uh, that little donkey. I, totally. I mentioned that to you a long ass time ago when, we, when you alluded that maybe there would be a favorite animatronic bracket and I was like man, that donkey. That donkey's so good. I donkey, love
1: him. Yep, that donkey is very good. This attraction has something for everyone. It is intimidating but not too intimidating. It is funny but not overly silly. And it tells the story that is interesting to so many people, no matter who you are, no matter what time you get on it, it is just phenomenal. It's up against Big Thunder Mountain Railroad. And when it comes to best Disneyland attractions, I don't know that I think first thing first is a roller coaster. And while this is an impressively themed roller coaster, it's up against Pirates of the Caribbean, which is one of the most impressive immersive immersive experiences that you can have at the park um that still stands today that was built in the late 60s I'm going pirates of the caribbean
0: um i think that disney does themed roller coasters i mean they're one of the only people that do themed roller coasters period <laughs> but yeah, uh, sure. like the fact that they're the gold standard for themed roller coasters is uh, like they, they should get a lot of credit for that. And, and in my opinion, big Thunder Mountain is the crown jewel of their roller coaster collection. Mm-hmm. Pirates of the Caribbean is a, a show you're, you're attending a show in three dimensions. Totally. And that is, idea is so ingrained in the culture of Disneyland park and the presentation that they're striving to put on to their guests. You know, they're not customers and these aren't rides. These are attractions and they are guests and we are trying to put on a show for them. There's a show building and a facade and it's, it's very Hollywood. It's very theatrical. Absolutely. And, 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 Big Thunder Mountain incorporates a lot of those elements into a roller coaster, which is impressive, but Pirates of the Caribbean is just this like symphony of like all of these things working together all at once. And I mean, like you said, there are so many pirates, so many show scenes. You could ride that ride if you've never ridden it before, ride it 30 times in a row and you will notice something different every single time. Uh, The Jack Sparrow effects, we'll talk about it later, but uh, I think... I have pirates advancing to the finals over big thunder mountain Uh, Tess, Do you agree?
2: Can't watch fireworks from, from pirates. (laughs) Not wrong. Not wrong. I mean, it's fine. I mean, I did. Did you have big thunder here? I, I think this was, I don't even think I tried. I didn't even like, pencil in a bracket because I knew this like whole thing would be crazy, but um, this might have been one that had me stop because I can agree that Pirates is objectively more immersive, but I like Big Thunder more. Whatever. I, 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 have, I have a little point to make about Pirates that I can make next, next
0: round. Can't wait. Uh, who will Pirates meet in the finals? Number 7, Mansion versus number 11, It's a Small World. So difficult. Um, so difficult. I think both of these attractions, honestly, like even in pirates as well, you know, they're all very accessible. They're ones that seem like they're just like must do's throughout the day. It's just like a layup of an attraction, you know, just you just get on it, and that's that. Uh, it's not gonna be an hour long, two hour long wait. You usually don't have to grab a fast pass for it. It's just, it's. It feels like it's kind of the filler attraction that gets you in between the the e tickets, but uh, like it's it's the main attraction to me a lot of the time. Sound is is an important part of the remaining three attractions we have on this bracket. The it's a Small World song, iconic. Everyone knows it. Grim, Grim and Ghosts. People know it, not as iconic. Uh, the the lyrics of Grim, Grim, and Ghost. And the script for the Ghost Host narration is poetry. It is, I think I said this in the attraction soundtrack, but I'll say it again. That writing on that ride was instrumental in shaping me as a creative writer in school. Like, I thought that the way that they used words on that. Attraction audio was, was so beautiful that I strived to do the same um, whenever I sought out to write anything. And here I am today, writing tweets, 280 characters at a time, <laughs> and every single one of them is poetry.
1: <laughs> yeah, sure, <laughs> sure, sure, sure. <laughs> um,
2: big dreams, big dreams. Thank you.
0: Exotencio, thank you, Claude Coates. Thank you, Raleigh Crump. Y'all made my career possible. Uh, the actual like Grim, Grim and Ghost like composition, as as time goes on, I enjoy it less and less. Why? I, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> like I like I'll will f- find myself hit and skip once the like ride narration part is done on the ride through audio. I'll be like, I got it. I got it from here. I know how it goes.
2: Definitely listened to it in the car this morning for my Halloween playlist of the season. So you you chill out. You chill out over there. Garbage <laughs> opinion. S-
0: sitting in traffic like no traffic. <laughs> Excuse me, miss, you were going 95 in a 45 zone. <laughs> I think It's a Small World is a nice attraction. I think that it is, I, 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 hard to call something like It's a Small World underrated, but I think it's a, it's a top tier attraction. But I think up against Mansion, ah, it's hard. So, okay, question is, is the message of It's a Small World, Tone deaf and naive, or is it? Or is it what we all need to hear in 2021? This is a question. I don't know the answer to it.
2: I think it's an even mix of the of both. I think it's a really. Do I walk off that ride thinking, "Man, world peace, let's go, guys"? Like, do I believe? No, but am I immersed in the experience when I'm on it? Yeah, it's very sweet. It's a very it's good sentiment.
1: It's definitely like the the um the like colorblind excuse where nothing nothing matters it's okay because it's a small world but where it's also in Fantasyland, where nothing matters and everything <laughs> is supposed to be supposed to be perfect and fantastical so it fits where it is uh in this perfect harmony of a world that Fantasyland exists in
2: damn that's the answer there is an answer to that question
1: got him got him
0: it's an unproblematic world after all.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's uh, Haunted Mansion. It's Haunted Mansion. I hate I hate that I I have nothing... <laughs> I hate that Like I don't have anything more to say than I just like it a lot, you know? Yeah, sure. But
1: I do. We're, we're at bias time. It's bias hour here on Mouse Madness. It's definitely Haunted Mansion. I don't think you need to be sad about that. I'm yeah. not
0: sad about it. It's just, you know... I don't know. I'm out of things to say, I guess.
1: Yeah, no. Haunted Mansion all the way. From the moment you step through the gates, you're immersed in this kind of creepy experience that you go through until the very end. Heck, you exit out of a like cemetery. You exit out of a crypt basically in this attraction. Like this is this is a great attraction and it's a Small World is also awesome, but it's very simple. It's a simple ride for for families and I get that, but like At least in Disney World, the rooms are flooded here. You can see the carpet on the ground of the The stage stage sets (laughs) that these things are standing on. Like, nah, it's it's nice. It's it's an iconic Disney attraction. It's very Disneyland. It is something that everyone can get on and is family oriented, but it is not better than the mansion. So it's definitely the mansion going to the finals, which means we have a number four Pirates of the Caribbean. Verse, the number seven, Haunted Mansion as the best Disneyland attraction. Uh, Chris, Let's
2: go. Chris, my sh- God.
1: Uh, before I, I make my pick, because I've said all I can say about these attractions already, you wanted to talk about Jack Sparrow and Pirates of the Caribbean. Um, Jack Sparrow wandered his way into this attraction after the opening of Curse of the Black Pearl. And at the time, these, actually it was like f- at the same time as like the 50th. It was like, yeah, it,
0: it was like 2005 or five. six. Yeah. yeah.
1: Um, at the time, I'll tell you what, this attract, this animatronic looked fantastic. I remember going through in 2006, 2005, and being like that is a real looking person right there, and especially when it's juxtaposed against these like 1967 animatronics that have been like mechanics have been changed out every once in a while, but are basically the same in their movement and their their look. With Jack Sparrow, there it's like that is an actor that is that is Johnny Depp right there. Um, the story is essentially that he is also hunting for this treasure that everyone is after, and he gets to it first and in each show scene people are trying to find jack sparrow
0: i'm not mad that they added jack sparrow okay because i like jack sparrow and i like the pirates of the caribbean movies yep like i like i, like I said non-sarcastically i like the haunted mansion and i like eddie murphy yep. and if and if they were like we're putting eddie murphy in the leota room he's, so he's so flying be around it. on a chair so be it <laughs> It's not that they do it. it's that they have to do it in the right way. and for them to basically like rewrite the attraction to be about the hunt the scavenger hunt for Jack Sparrow, felt a little bit like revisionist history. Um, and i I wish that it was more of like an Easter egg than uh, you know where be Captain Jack Sparrow
1: Mm -hmm. and
0: have, and have him be like the very final thing you see, be like, ha ha, Jack Sparrow just like punked everyone. Um, it's just like a little bit too heavy handed. I think Davy Jones and Blackbeard were both the waterfall, but I think that's gone now, right?
1: That's gone. And it's that changing.
0: Yes. The octopus or the squid or whatever. We had a fun, we had a fun, uh, very, this was a very pre COVID tradition (laughs) that (sighs) my family used to do on Pirates of the Caribbean. It was this like billowy smoke that would like come down and and project. So we would try and sit in the front of the boat. And then as soon as we would get like within distance from him, we would just start blowing like (sighs) all five of us. And if we were bringing friends, we would all just go, (sighs) And, like, it would, it would basically make his face blow up. <laughs> and, and, like, the effect was completely ruined. You could see, like, the projector, like, light beams, and it was so rude. Um, oh. And I'm sure it got saliva on a lot of people in the rows behind us or in front of us if we were sitting in the back. But I definitely missed that uh, effect being there. And then they also added, uh, there's a, Davy Jones at the end when he's, like, we'll meet again. Yeah. Or something. Yeah. But like that is an, that, that moment in particular is an example of like, I don't mind it because it's added. Right. And, and I was very disappointed to see the finale Jack Sparrow, not only because it was like a weird way to end the ride differently, but like for what it replaced, it was the two dudes trying to hoist the treasure up the ramp. Yeah. And then like a, f- a little bit further up, it was like two skeletons that clearly had tried to do the same thing, you know, and that is like such a powerful image to kind of leave the attraction with that totally. sense of like, there is no escaping the curse of the treasure.
1: Yeah. And, you know, I, I don't mind his addition at all. I'm kind of like you, um, I don't necessarily get distracted by him because I've been on it so many times that I am looking elsewhere because I just like taking in that entire attraction. And I do like how much there is to look at it uh, as you go through it. Haunted Mansion's the same way. Like there's a ton to look at. Um, however, the Doom Buggy is kind of controlling what you do see, right? You the Pirates is a 360 immersive experience, while Doom Buggy Kind of, it's a 360, but you have a 180 view of everything in front of you, depending on what way you're facing at what time. Um, I really like that the story begins though in the queue, from walking through to the foyer to the stretching room, where the vibes really get started. Like for the attraction to start while you're standing in line before you even get onto the ride vehicle, I really enjoy. But what I hate are people reciting the damn script as we're sitting in there. Shut up. This is not your time. Let others enjoy the experience. I don't care that you've been on it five times today. I don't care that this is your nightly ritual before you go to bed because you live across the street. I don't
2: wanna hear your voice. Shut up. Watch out listeners, Kyle's voice went up an octave. You better watch out. Shut up.
0: (laughs) I'm not gonna lie. It used to be me. <laughs> but it was it was it was more so to impress whatever group of friends I was <laughs> attending the parks with for the first time, be like, I'm about to flex on all of you and say all the words to this attraction. You're going to think I'm so cool.
1: So this is a I don't see a loser in this matchup because I feel like they're very similar rides in vibe. They're very similar rides in time, obviously. <laughs> Only a few years separates them in existence. Worked on by the same exact people, Exotencio doing the script for both of them. Like this, this just is what Disneyland was founded on and has built upon. A lot of these these attractions walked, so experiences like Rise could run and become the incredible attractions that they are. Um, so when it comes down to it. Here comes the personal bias. I'm a pirate boy till I die, baby. I'm going Pirates of the Caribbean as the best Disneyland attraction.
0: All right. Kyle, you're a pirate's boy. You've always been a pirate's boy. I know you're a pirate's boy. And I knew this is where we were going to end up today. (laughs) I know. When we came up with this bracket idea... When we came up with this podcast idea like five years ago or whatever, I'm like, one day we're going to do best attraction. It's going to come down to Pirates versus Haunted Mansion and you're going to vote for Pirates and I'm going to vote for the Haunted Mansion. Haunted Mansion has that wit to it that is unrivaled on any other Disney attraction. And it's something that I am attracted to and deeply resonates with my personality. Going with Mansion... There go. <laughs> the power is in your hands. Which of these two is the best Disneyland attraction?
1: We're giving the keys to the keyholder here.
2: Um, God. Mandy's shaking her head right now because she knows which bias side I would be on, and I would know which side she would be on. Um, okay, let's get nitpicky. Right. So, Haunted Mansion. Love scary trees. You know, there's oh. one thing about Disneyland fun that I love it's scary trees. Love scary trees. Love scary trees that foam at the mouth when there's snow in the wintertime. Love that part, all the snow. Um, I don't I think the 180 experience can make it difficult, especially when there's so much stuff to see in the graveyard. Like yeah. you get to see the, you guys didn't even talk about the, the busts, the singing busts, and you get to see them for like two seconds before you just swivel around yeah. um so i love it when the ride stops or slow down at that part so that you can have some more time with them
0: can i offer a rebuttal to that criti- criticism that i think a lot of the spirit of like seeing ghosts is like, did did I actually see that? Like was that really real? Or did I just dream that up just now? And so you see a lot of these effects quickly, and it was like, what was no. that
2: now? No. Yeah. Well, it makes the experience repeatable because you want to go back again and again. And I think that's true for both rides. You know, both oh, yes. rides are so immersive, yes. so many details. You know, it doesn't whether you have the hidden Mickey book from 2002 or whatever in your hand or not. <laughs> there's still gonna be lots of things to look for. Um, oh God, I love that it's constantly moving. Um, obviously, when you're you know someone with the wheelchair transfer, or whatever, that, that it's gonna stop, but it can easily like get back going again. And pirates, if you're stuck, like how I was when we went on pirates first ride of the day, and we were stuck. The freaking jail cell with the whistling and the dogs for like 40 minutes. Kyle's dream, my My worst nightmare. My dream. So awful. Stuck stuck
0: there with Sid Caesar's face, like.
2: like I I mean, I love the experience of pirates, but I don't like feeling stuck. Like when if the boats get really backed up. I get like a little bit scared and I'm not a claustrophobic person, but I don't like the idea of being stuck because pirates is like the worst ride to get stuck on. Cause it's like, you're not getting out till someone, some cast member gets in the water and pushes your boat out. Like, I don't want to deal with any of that. Um, I, and I love the immersiveness of pirates. I think the, what I was going to say about the Jack Sparrow parts is that I loved Jack's the Jack Sparrow part to when he was working well. And honestly, he kind of ruins it for me with his lazy eyes and just like, I don't know what it was. Like, I, I feel like, like starting like t- 2019, 2020, or maybe like, I don't know, maybe he like got a lazy eye over the pandemic or something. I don't know, but it, it seemed really quick to me. Like all of a sudden he wasn't working right. Maybe I just started paying attention.
1: I think he's been that way for a number of years now. I've noticed it for a very long time.
2: Yeah, so I, I wasn't paying attention then, but that just kind of ruins the experience for me because he's because then he's just an eyesore that you're just staring at. Um, I'm glad they took away the Davy Jones squid uh, squid face fog part. That was gross. Didn't need it. Didn't need it. Um, so glad that that's fine. I don't know. I'm a lot of mansion girl, and I'm trying. I'm trying to be unbiased. I really am, but. I I I do love pirates. I'm not a pirates lover like Kyle and Mandy. I'm not a die-hard fan, but I can truly appreciate the experience. But Haunted Mansion's just timeless and there's no Eddie Murphy or Jack Sparrow or anything to ruin the experience for me. It's just so good. So Haunted Mansion for sure.
1: All right. The number seven haunted mansion hangs yet another banner in the Mouse Madness Hall of Fame as it takes the best Disneyland attraction title. And as we do at the end of every single bracket, we are going to clap it out. Chris, that was wild. That was a wild ride. And I think that we... I mean, you said it in your discussion we figured that this is where it was going to end up. I think it was rightfully so that it was going to end up here. And honestly, we said everything that we could about every attraction along the way. This was, this was a great bracket. And I think it's a great time to end this podcast. We're done. This is a curtain call.
0: Thank you so much for everyone for (laughs) listening to the show. Uh, Hey, hit us up on Twitter and we'll let you know what our next project is. It's been real. (laughs) Psych. We are never leaving. (laughs) Uh, Tess, thank you for joining us on this adventure. Um, So happy you finally got your first parks bracket and that this was it. Thank
2: you. I I hope to be back again. And um, I'm sorry for all the pirate boy and pirate girls out there whose hearts I broke tonight. Kyle's never speaking to me ever again.
1: We'll recover. We will rebuild.
0: All right, everybody, you know how to reach us. If you've got something to say about our attraction choices, uh, if you've got a bracket idea, if you want to hop in and do some co-hosting of your own, please email us at mousemadnesspodcast at gmail.com or hit us up on social media. We're on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Discord. All of those channels are linked in the description of this podcast. We cannot wait for the next episode, folks, where we head to a galaxy far, far away. But until then... One piece of advice for all you listeners, beware of hitchhiking ghosts.